Welcome to Running It Back, the lessons learned from sports podcast. I'm Mike Palmer, joined as always by Tarlin Ray. Tarlin, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for moments like the sports equinox on Thursday when the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, and college football and any other sport you can name was we're all playing at the same time. Yeah. I'm grateful that the Dodgers still have a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm grateful that my big sis, Tanika Ray, launched her podcast, Mama Stay, 20 years in entertainment, hosting on Extra and tons of shows. Yeah. So this is the crossover moment. I'm going to pump up my sister. And nice. Without, from Hollywood to Mommywood. Check it out. And I'm grateful that Matthew, who was on our last show at the top, yeah, finally puts you in your place and gave you that shiner I'm looking at right now. I'm grateful for a lot of things. There's a lot of things to say. I would say it's the harmonic convergence is what you're describing. Everything happens at the same time. It's the everything time, which is absolutely right. And for our listeners, I'm fine. It's not even that much. They're not worried about it. They're not that much of it. It's a shiner. But Matthew Palmer, shout out. He had his audio debut on our previous episode of Trending in Education. Things are going well here in Brooklyn. And the NBA is back. It's back, baby. Like it never went away. I know there have been a few times on this show where I've said, I need a little time. It's not that I don't love the NBA as much as I do. I just need a little me time from the NBA. That's no longer the case right now. The NBA is back. The Knicks are exciting. Madison Square Garden. Knicks of the Mets. The Mecca. You won, won a game. The Mets are gone. Mets are gone. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and, then, and then your Lakers slow out the gate. There's so much news happening. The Robert Sarver story, which we'll come back to at a subsequent time, harkens back to Donald Sterling with the Clippers in 2014. Check uh, out not, a Black Belt episode. Check out our Black Belt episode. The NFL what's happening with John Gruden and then what may in fact be some covering up heaven for Fen, the NFL was not fully transparent with <laughs> the rest of the world. Concussions. But it's concussion. It's bad for you. But it sounds as though they may not have been fully forthcoming about some racial issues that had been surfacing for quite some time around the Washington football team. Go figure considering their name at the time, considering their ownership at the time. We'll leave that for other episodes in the future. Also the top 75 players of all oh, time. Exactly. There is it's... no way yeah. the Lakers can lose, right? Because we have four of the top 75 players of all time on one team right now. Yeah. Not including Dwight Howard. Not including who people say should have made that list but let's another great up. show we were talking about recording five episodes at once but we can get to that show but carmelo i went to the game last night that's why this is top of mind i got to see point god in person who is the only player chris paul to hit twenty thousand points and ten thousand assists in a career. yeah you're in the staples center i'm in the staples center you're watching how many future hall of famers not counting diane cannon how many future Hall of Famer? Five, five of the Lakers, because Dwight will be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Carmelo, who's a top 75 player of all time. Yeah. Russell Westbrook, LeBron, and AD, all top 75 players. And then on the other side, you have Chris Paul. Yeah. Another top 75 player. Yeah. And at some point, will 
Booker or not make yeah. it in, but that's the lineup. We have four top 75 players of all time. And at one point in the third quarter, we were down 30. Yeah. Yeah. 0 and 8 for 0 and 8 for the year. Preseason doesn't count. 0 and 8 for the regular season. And for those who said Russell Westbrook is probably one of the athletic guys I've ever seen mm-hmm. with zero touch. Yeah. I've never seen someone throw hammers for layups yeah. at the rim. Right. Russell Westbrook. No, no lollipop touch. No Steph Curry kiss off the backboard. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. It is going to clang yeah. off the and, backboard. And That's another topic. He's been playing for your thing. You, just to be clear to our listeners, you were at the Staples Center, you went to sleep, and now we're recording. That's basically... At the Staples Center, woke up at four because I like to try to get a little prep for you. And yeah. Now we're recording. And now we're recording. And we're not even talking about anything we just discussed. Those no, are all exactly. other things that are happening because everything is happening. It's a great time to be looking for lessons learned in the world of sports. Just to, as a sports fan, it's amazing. But, uh, but in terms of team chemistry and understanding how to work together and then understanding how that plays out frequently in the media, how it ties to mental health. A lot of the topics we've been talking about on the show in recent months all coming to a head in Philadelphia of late with the Ben Simmons saga which is following on the heels of the Kyrie Irving drama, which is still, it's like one's on ABC, one's Guiding Light, the other one is General Hospital. But which narrative are we diving into today? We're diving into Philadelphia. Ben Simmons, is he showing up? Does Joel Embiid have to babysit him? Shots fired. Is everyone accepting accountability? Is anyone owning anything? Tarlin, Doc Rivers... Aside from Good, glad you threw that in. Let's, can we just talk about Ben so we set the stage? Please. 2016, first round, first pick in the NBA draft, born in Australia. Good day, Mike. Injured his first year, so doesn't play his whole first year in, in summer league. He has breaks his foot, his fifth metatarsal. I might have, oh, done, and, uh, might have done it twice in college. And even squeezing in, I believe he claims to have played college at LSU for a season, although some of that videotape. Who knows? It has been destroyed because an 18 and 13 LSU team, they never make it out of the SEC. And he's the only number one pick in the modern era to never play in NCAA tournament. That's just a random fact. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yeah. Three-time All-Star, 2020 All-NBA team, two times defensive player of the year, led the NBA in stills in 2020. So he's played, missed his 2017. He's played 2018, 2019, 2020. Yeah. And obviously this year, four years in the league, they signed him to a mega contract. And we know that Ben was part of the process. And yeah. And just also to follow up on that, do you have his stats about Kardashians dated in front of you? I think it, I think it was only one. Okay. Okay. But is it the same Kardashian that Devin Booker is now dating? I see. It's complicated. This, that's another episode. Is it the Kardashian that's the billionaire? The Kardashian episode. We'll come back to that one too. But it's, but do you consider the Jenners the Kardashians? Or are they Kardashian adjacent? And it all connects to OJ, which is a whole nother episode. And I did go down the street on the, and that left what was a horrible NBA finals watching the Rockets and some team. Hey now. Team, the which, Knicks. We cut, which we so I can go down the street to watch OJ drive by in his white box. That's a whole different, so, so many show. other stories. So many, so many shows. other shows. How about the show that we're talking about? Yeah. So he's a unicorn. He's a guy that at 6'11 is playing point guard. 
can see over uh, much shorter guards, yeah. see the floor, is a pass-first guy. And yeah. I, I like to call myself a pass-first guy, but my buddy laughed at me. He couldn't stop laughing. I said, I would be pass-first if my teammates weren't limited. <laughs> so he's a pass-first guy. You know, he'll get 13 points. He'll get nine rebounds, eight assists. Yeah. He's a defensive problem. Just He's a fantasy stat stuffer in particular. He'll get you steals. He'll get you blocks. Yeah, and he's got some court sense, and he's still young. He only played the one year in college, and how old is he now? 20? 21? No. 22, 23? We'll have someone check that out. I'm gonna age, age is just a time and age is just a social contract. So, anyways, Ben Simmons playing with Joel and B one of the top centers or the top center outside of uh, Joker in the league, they have been playing up to a point where they're actually now being competitive in the NBA. He's 26. Come on, uh, man. Come on. Come on. He, he, what would be the year of Kawhi and the shot, for those who remember Toronto Raptors in the 2018-2019 Eastern Conference Final beating the Sixers and then going on win the championship, that was the year where the team thought they were going to make a leap. And or just, he, the, the research is in my ear. He's 25. 25. Thank you. I knew he was over that. And most people thought that the Sixers were close. And Ben Simmons has always been the guy he is. Ben Simmons in the Toronto Raptors series 2018-2019 averaged 11.5 points, seven rebounds, yeah. four assists. Shot 60% from the field because all of his shots are close. He does not shoot threes. Yeah. He does not have a soft floater in the lane. And he shot 50% from the foul line. Yeah. Pretty atrocious. Like right. hot garbage from the foul not a, for Not a shooter. But everyone sort of allowed Ben to be Ben. And he continued to then excel from there and, next and, season. And we haven't necessarily even fully recognized his defensive capability, which is the other place where he's really off the charts, even in terms of the, the next gen stats and the way people think about the defensive side of the NBA, because he can match up on everyone. Literally can guard every position on the floor. Shut people down. Shut down guy. So fast forward, that is a year where the Sixers said they are just like Kevin Durant and, and the Nets thought they were a toe away last year from beating the Bucks. Yeah. They were a crazy shot in the corner from going to the finals. Mm -hmm. 2019, 2020, bubble year, things don't pan out as well. They yeah. thought that they needed a new coach. Uh, I guess Stock was there last year, but brought in Doc's new coach. They need more shooters around Simmons and Bede because of it's the uh, bubble. So it was the bubble. What happens in the bubble? I'll say Simmons and Simmons didn't play. He had a knee injury, mm -hmm. so he was out of the playoffs that year. Mm -hmm. Playoffs? Talk about playoffs? And so we still have a guy who is an all-star. Every year that he plays, Yeah, people loud him for his defense, understand that he's going to be limited, understand he's going to be passed first. Yeah. We'll work around that. And the general manager say, I need that, this talent because there's no one like him. Yeah. So then we get into the 2020, 2021 Playoffs. Playoffs? And this is where everything comes to head. Against the Hawks, mm -hmm. we have in this series, Simmons, 9.9 .9 points, 6.3 rebounds, 
8.6 assists. So if you compare it to the last time he was in the playoffs, his points are down a little bit, slightly down in rebounds, two times the number of assists, still shooting 60% from the field. But now in, in, the, in that season, the all-time worst free throw percentage, and he shot 33% from the line. Yeah. And the moment was in the game. He's backing down. I watched the clip several times. Backing down a player in the post. He loses his man. And instead of going for a layup yeah. or a dunk, he passes it off. Mm-hmm. And in the press conference after that, it's when I think everything turned for Ben Simmons. When Joel Embiid threw him under the bus and said, the course of the game changed when he wasn't willing to take that dunk or shoot the layup. And when Doc Rivers asked whether or not Ben Simmons could be a point guard for a championship contending team, and he said, I don't know how to answer that question. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what do you do as Ben Simmons, 25-year-old, Gen- millennial, Gen Z, you're, you're my generation. Yes. He's, he's a little cuspy. Cuspy. Yeah. He's cuspy. Yeah. He had his performance review with yeah. his manager, his mm-hmm. leader, his yeah. boss in yeah. front of the world. What do you do? Yeah. So I'd, call him, I'd call him a zenial, but... There are other ways to characterize this story coming into this point as well. The full interview with Embiid wasn't just throwing Ben Simmons under the bus. It was also taking some accountability for it himself. And I think there was awareness that it wasn't just that press conference that has brought us to the situation that we're in today. It was also the fact that after that, Ben Simmons asked for a trade, didn't get one in the offseason for whatever reason, and now is expected to come back and play this year again with pretty much the same team with not too much changed from his perception. He sits out and then comes in but isn't really present, isn't really trying to win the game, although it's practice. Talk to me about practice. Again, it's everything season. Happy everything season, by the way, Tom. So uh, you can see I'm bailing it in. It's everything's video. Everything's on video these days. You can see Ben Simmons. I wasn't sure if he actually had a cell phone in his pocket. But he was taking it easy in practice. So much so to the point that Doc Rivers says to him, you're not really here. I need you to get out of here. And so he sends him home. And then most recently, there was a team meeting where I want to make sure I, I quote I quote Ben properly because it's unbelievable that this was the statement. Ben Simmons spoke to Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, and entire 76ers team today and accepted everyone needs to take responsibility, including himself. But Simmons informed them all that he's not mentally ready to play yet and needs time. So that's where we are now. What happened? We got to where we are now. What happens immediately after it's days after the playoffs? Playoffs. And he asked for a trade. Mm-hmm. So what happened with the relationship with Joel Embiid? What happened with Doc Rivers, who, and I'm not surprised. So to hear that he's not mentally ready. Yeah. There's a guy through the whole season that had the worst free throw percentage ever 
he's not mentally there. Yeah. It's mechanics, but a lot of free throw is confidence and just mentally being connected to shooting re repetitive shot, a repetitive yeah. shot. Yeah. So I point to, and it's in the heat of the moment, but there's something in the way that they're managing, connecting Joel Embiid. I always look at the leaders and Doc Rivers are managing this talent. Yeah. Right. You can't treat everyone the same way. Right. Yes, he's getting paid millions of dollars. So it is that as part of it, you're going to get hammered. But what happened that the same guy, the same player is asking immediately for a trade? Right. It's unclear. And that's where there's many different angles to this story. But this idea that Ben Simmons is sleepwalking through his professional life and is then frustrated by the fact that he's being held accountable in Philadelphia. That's one narrative. Embiid said, it's not on us to babysit this guy. So like he's toughness, his ability to close is being questioned on the one hand. Is that being done so in a way that is overly harsh, overly critical? Who knows? But that is what that is one aspect of the narrative. I think the other aspect of this is something we've talked about a lot on the show, which is mental health and the ability of people to walk away, the ability of Naomi Osaka to opt out of the French Open. That is something that we talked about on the show. Simone Biles' decision to not compete in aspects of the women's gymnastics in Tokyo. We also did an episode about that. Kelsey, the lineman for the Eagles, just yeah. came back to the team after needing to take a break from the team. Yeah, yeah. and we've talked about, about uh, DeMar DeRozan coming out, about you know his depression. We've talked about Kevin Love on the show. So there is this movement around mental health and respecting athletes' ability to, to take care of themselves. Self-care is, is also a really important trend that we're, we're seeing out there these days. So these things are colliding. And I got to say, for me, who has a bit of an old school mentality, partly reflecting my age, there is that element of you got to step it up and be held accountable and leaders hold themselves accountable. And for me to see Ben Simmons opting out of that accountability, but then connecting it to mental health issues, that's where I'm struggling with this. Why is Ben Simmons a leader? Ah, he's the, he's the second highest paid player on the team. Doesn't mean he's a leader. Well, I'm on that team is Joel Embiid, who is showing interesting leadership where I understand he didn't throw Simmons under the bus, but he did. Yeah. He then said, as he's coming back, how disappointed and how is almost downright disrespectful what Simmons was doing to not be playing with the team. Yeah. And then sits down finally with Simmons and who knows how much he tried over the, over the course of the summer and says, everyone in Philly, we should support him. And so that's an interesting flip-flopping and leadership didn't have his back. Last show, we talked about Draymond Green yeah, and his leadership and his support of Wiggins, whether or not he, he believed in whether he should be back or not and his choice. And you had a sense that Draymond was leading in a different way, mm -hmm. not in closed doors and not in the media. Yeah. And not taking shots. So I just question whether or not, I, I understand you may be the most talented. We talked about this with Kyrie in the last show. 
Just because you're the highest paid does not mean you're the leader. Just because you're the point guard, and normally the point guard is the field general, he's not the leader of that team. Yeah, and I think that's probably true. But my point is you need all eight guys, all nine, ten guys to feel like they are leading somewhere and demonstrating some value to the rest of the the team who's committed to what you're trying to do. If one of the players who is clearly the most talented on the team, definitely among the top two, arguably the most athletically gifted player on the team, if they are checked out and checked out is different from leading in your own way. Like I would say comparing Ben Simmons to Dennis Rodman on the Bulls, Rodman's ability to contribute offensively is less even than what you get with Ben, much less, significantly less, although his offensive rebounding was incredibly different. I just think the element to which someone accepts their role, understands what they're doing as part of the team, and then ultimately has the higher level objective of the team's success as top of mind, I think that has to be part of the the DNA of the team, part of the leadership that everyone has to exert. And then there's a few players who need to step it up above that. Embiid is one, but teams don't win championships with just a single leader. Look back at the Toronto championship. Was that Kawhi's team or was that Kyle Lowry's team? Mark Gasol. Mark Gasol. Like, there are different elements to the successful leadership recipe. I think the question is, is Ben toxic in a way? Same question around Kyrie. Are these players not just not leading? Are they either b- by virtue of saying that they're not the leader or by saying they're the leader and they're not really following through on that leadership mission? Are they ultimately making the team worse than it would be if they weren't playing at all? So I'm pushing because I'm not defending Simmons' actions, but I'm trying to look. And we'll run it back to some disgruntled employees, disgruntled athletes from the past and look yeah. at the, to the why. Mm-hmm. But I was on a podcast earlier this week, The Balancing Act, yeah. Timpty, talking about disengaged workers. Mm-hmm. And Ben Simmons is disengaged. Is he part of the great resignation that we're seeing? Mm. The disproportionate number of employees, 30 to 45, are saying, screw this. He doesn't fit in that camp. But disengaged employees normally have a lack of understanding of the vision. Mm-hmm. He understands the vision. We're trying to win a championship. Disengaged employees don't have agency. He's a point guard. He's got the ball in his hand. He's got agency, right? Yeah. But disengaged employees often, where you have a mismatch, they don't understand their role. Mm-hmm. This is where I think there's a conflict between Philly GM, coach, team, and who Ben Simmons actually is. Right. And I'll circle back to watching Russell Westbrook either spot up in the corner shooting threes, even shooting free throws when you know it's going to miss just based on the follow through. Yeah. Ben Simmons is who he is. Ben Simmons is the same guy, three-time All-Star, stat stuffer, 13, 9, 8. Category stuffer. He's yeah. in a nine-cat, we call it a nine-cat league in, in fantasy. I may have a couple fantasy teams in basketball as well. Five teams 
three across football and basketball is a little tense, but can't quit you fantasy <laughs> but in a nine cat league he's dominant free throws hurt you but a nine cat league he's dominant but he is who he is the conflict arises and i'm not saying we'll get to the way he's performing petulant child things like that because we're not having a common understanding of what his role is mm-hmm. and you're trying to make Ben Simmons into something he will not be, which is a shooter, which is shooting floaters off the dribble. I don't right. care how long he spends in the offseason trying to perfect that is not Ben Simmons. Right. Although he could be a better finisher. He was having confidence issues. That's what I'm saying. Then, no, he can finish that game. You needed to put him in a warm blanket, put your arms around Ben Simmons and figure out how you're going to get the most out of him. As Doc Rivers, as the leader, look at that and say, that's not you and build up his confidence in the next. So that the first plays you're running is him dunking on people and yeah. finishing the lane. He can finish in the lane. He shoots 60% for right. a reason. Right. He is a big man playing a point guard game. My challenge is he is never going to be who you want him to be. Reminds me of Dennis Green's famous quote. They are who he thought they were. While we're talking, though, I did want to follow up on your cat nine. Your category stuffing is well and good. But what it really comes down to is what are your categories going to be like when it's what Michael Jordan referred to as winning time? So when it comes down to when everything matters a little bit more, quick update on that same series with the Hawks, Ben Simmons' fourth quarter shooting in this series. Game one, two for two. Game two, zero for zero. Game three, one for one. Game four, zero for zero. Game five, zero for zero. Game six, zero for zero. Game seven, zero for zero. And now I know it's mathematically incorrect, but I still adhere to the saying, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. In game seven of the Toronto series that they lost by two, he took five shots. He is who he is. Yeah, but that guy, when you were talking about wrapping him in a blanket, it was taking me back to the swaddling days. And if <laughs> swaddling is still, as a father of- How's your swaddle game? How's your swaddle Three-year-old, it's, it's happily in retirement. It, it, I did what I needed to do. I was effective. Velcro is your friend these days for, for young parents. But Velcro is, is whipping out, man. It's like Velcro yes. for your kids until they're six years old, not teaching them how to tie their shoes. Velcro, yeah, we're going we're gonna to have a that's swaddle. That's another show. We got to do a Velcro show and a swaddling contest. But if you need that much coddling, are you a coach? Or are you a molly coddler, Tarlin? Do you have a player or do you have a toddler? That's the question. How much love and special care does this guy need? And then it's weird because this is like the, the woke sensibility nowadays. Cause then I start feeling bad. Cause I'm like, he probably is going through some mental struggle here. It does sound a little bit like we've talked about the yips in golf. And then the twisties was what Simone Biles was talking about. Is he suffering from the Simmonses where there's just something gets in his head. The honesty is too much and he's kind of choking. And then it's, if the choke 
then spirals out of control. You already have some self-esteem issues or whatever you're struggling with. It's hard to grow up in this, this day and age. I understand it. And then it's all playing out in the media. Maybe he just needs some time away. And the flip side. Way and people to adapt. I'm putting on Doc Rivers. I'm putting it on the team that gave him. He is an outsized talent, but he's always going to be limited. He's not getting you a bucket in the I, fourth quarter. I would put it on Daryl Morey then too, because I, I would say. Daryl Morey came later. Did he sign the deal with Daryl Morey? This offseason is what I was saying. When Ben Simmons oh. is asking for a trade this offseason, you have this offseason, you're basically blowing it up. You know, it is blowing up. Do you choose to blow it up by trading him when maybe 70, 80 cents on the dollar versus trading him now versus just sucking it up and separating him from the team probably is what you want to do. But we did see with Sean Marks, who wasn't as much part of the conversation when we talked about Kyrie, a lot of the real management decisions are, are at the general manager's level. How are they addressing this? How do they, they think about their players and their personnel? It is in that management exercise, a layer up. You know, Doc is the direct manager of these players and is exerting whatever leadership he can as a coach, but still it is a coach. The accountability is more in terms of the game, not necessarily in terms of their career or where they're going to go next. I do think Daryl Morey could have done more in the off season to settle this because he's going to have to do it now. What do you think about all this? What, what's your perspective? Daryl Morey, we didn't talk as much about Sean Marks last week when we were talking about Kyrie and the vaccine. Right after we recorded that, he did demonstrate some leadership, I thought, by saying this is now going to be resolved in a very clear way once Kyrie is vaccinated and is able to conform to the, the laws of New York and other parts of the country. He'll be welcome back to the team, but until he makes that decision, he won't be part of the team activities. I thought that was an interesting move. And Daryl Morey is the equivalent of that. When you look at Philadelphia's response to this situation, there are times where you need people less close to the day-to-day -day heat of the battle to step up and demonstrate some leadership as well. Any perspective on what it's like to make those types of decisions, lessons learned from what Daryl Morey is up against and then the decisions that he's making? I think Morey and Rivers are cut from the same cloth. From my very outside, they're being super stubborn on this issue. I feel like they want and believe or at some hope thought Ben Simmons would be the next Magic Johnson. And Magic was able to, with a bit of a shaky jumper actually manufacture that into really an all-world game and 18 to 19 a game and dangerous and willing to take big shots. And, and he did play with Kareem. And he did play with Kareem. I, I believe when you saw how rattled Ben Simmons was, you had two paths. One was to jettison him as quickly as possible and build around Embiid and the Tobias Harris and the Seth Currys and the people that you thought were playing the way you needed to play or coach him in a different way. Mm -hmm. Go to him. And whether or not you think it's coddling or it doesn't matter, you're seeing what, and this is what Phil Jackson tried to do by connecting with players, by giving them different books mm -hmm. and 
allowing giving lease to certain players, you needed to then meet Ben where he was or where he is instead of being that hard nose, as you said, old school. Yeah. So I, you find this in your day to day. It's not whether or not someone's on the, someone will say, well, on the right seat of the bus, he's a basketball player, right? Yeah. This is what he's meant to do. Mm -hmm. What you're not doing is figuring out how to communicate with someone. I was at a youth sixth grade. My daughter had sixth grade volleyball game. They won and I went to go watch sixth grade flag football team. They're, they're, the boys were playing on the same, like, same team. Yeah. And I uh, love the coach, but he's yelling at the players. And one of the moms said the coach called after game early in the season, said, I just want to make sure your son's okay. And the mom's, he loves it. Please keep it up. While and other parents, based on the yelling, could be cowering and their, their son could be tearing up at night. Right. You just, at this age, this stage, got to figure out who your players are. Mm. So I put a lot on Maury. I put a lot on Rivers. Mm -hmm. And I put a lot on the silence of the Sixers. I understand Tobias Harris because they got a chance to meet with Simmons. They're fully supportive of what they're saying is their brother and they hope mm -hmm. he comes back yeah, yeah. really late. Yeah. Because a lot of what these players are looking for is to just look in the see if they got the love there. Yeah. And you take that much heat, which used to be back in the day, just a few clippings. And if you happen to listen to Philadelphia radio, but it's just a deluge of you suck Ben on IG and everywhere yeah. that you think the world matters. Right. You wonder why there's mental health issues. You wonder why there's a New York Times article about the impact of Instagram on young girls. So mm -hmm. I put on the leadership as I often do. Yeah. And I throw Embiid in that camp because he is the alpha. He is the leader of that team. And it's a responsibility to figure out how to reach Ben. I'm not coddling the star. I'm just, I see him for what he is. A limited player with unicorn-like abilities to stuff some stats. And when it's game time, you need to stick him in the corner because he's not getting you a jumper. But then I would back it up a little to blame the process. <laughs> yes. Right? About the process? Follow me along on this one, though. Because the process, so Sam Hankey, Philadelphia front office, famously had a strategy. A North Star, something that would have to last multiple years, which was something called the process, which effectively meant tanking at times, tank you very much so that you could get a better draft pick. Ultimately, this quote-unquote process landed Joel Embiid, who very cleverly, and he's a really entertaining guy, follow him on Twitter, adopted that as his nickname, the process. But the process is this idea that you can be bad. And then if you're bad enough, it's better to be really bad rather than middle of the road. And if you're bad enough, you'll develop singular talent. I get these. Bad means bad, but sometimes bad means good. Yeah. And then these draft picks, top picks, eventually you're going to land these generational talents. And it looked as though the process, quote unquote, was working in that you got Joel Embiid and then you got Ben Simmons. But I think part of the problem with this approach, a lot of peas, good thing my pop guard here is working, is the process eventually becomes a ghost in the machine and there's no one who really is owning the strategy. Hanky is gone. Maury 
jumped out of the Houston the, Rockets, the flaming, decaying mess that was the Houston Rockets to land in Philadelphia. Doc similarly got out of a, a losing situation for him, at least with the Clippers. Those are relatively recent moves. When you think about who is the puppet master, to me, Philadelphia's problem is the puppet master is the process. And until they can get somebody to break out of that and say, here is the vision for this team, which to me would either fall on more or ownership or a combination with doc, but get some kind of construct together so that there's a real vision for where this organization is going. I think they're there now. They're pot committed to Embiid, but let's move forward. Turn the page. Even these number one assets, maybe part of the process is you're going to have to do some blockbuster trades to get them out because they did make moves to get Jimmy Butler in there and Jimmy Butler also didn't work. So if every time it doesn't work, maybe Ben is part of the problem, but you don't know until you move him, make a move. I totally agree. And I hate agreeing with you. I've been disagreeing with you most of the show. It's not your fault. I'm really persuasive. There's the cons of the pivot persevering or killing, especially when you're looking at product, new features. We were persevering as a Sixers team, 2018, 2019, you're close. 2019, 2020, the bubble hits. You don't have Simmons there. You're not a full squad. I think Embiid was a little gimpy as well. And so you're pivoting a little bit because let's get some more shooters around us. That's when Seth Curry comes in. You're like, we can stretch the floor. Then you have what is a disaster, playoffs, the Atlanta game the trade and you have a decision. Do you continue to then off that pivot persevere and say, nope, we're going to stay in the course or you kill it to your point because they haven't post-process. What is our new vision for the team? And if you look at it objectively at what the, the layout of the team is, you got some great parts to bias. You have an all world talent dominant in Joel Embiid threes, one of the few big men to take people in the post, you can get some unbelievable assets and be really scary in the postseason. As you've seen with teams like Toronto, well, Kyle Lowry, you know, he was a good player, but he's not, you know, the need the big three. So I agree with you. I, I said that a disengaged employee, you know, there's three things you look at where you have the understand the vision, does the individual have the agency and to understand their role. I guess the check is only check is on agency because the vision is actually muddy. Mm -hmm. The post-process vision is muddy mm -hmm. and you have a player that doesn't necessarily fit with your all world talent. And yeah. so it's time to punt. Yeah. It'll be a better pasture, better environment for Ben Simmons mm -hmm. and it will allow the Sixers to continue to, to roll forward. And, and I would say players like Ben need a lot of your attention as a coach. So if you are putting together a team where Ben's going to need a lot of attention, we know Embiid's going to need a lot of attention and coaching to actually get himself to the next level. How many of those types of players can a coach like Doc Rivers manage? He'd do a better job with Embiid if he didn't have to think about Ben but then they need to get more in return. They can't just lose Ben 
because Philadelphia is certainly not good enough in, in my estimation to to be competing for a championship if they don't get some return on the Ben Simmons side of the equation. And and I would say the agency part, I might question that too. I think he may not have as much Freedom. ability to assert himself in this context because I think he may just be suffering. He may just be unclear, although we didn't get into it as much in terms of the history of folks demanding trades, but part of the leverage that you get is by having the organization understand that basically this player is not going to play this season, which really forces the team's hand to make the trade. So it's unclear how much of Ben's concerns about his own mental health and his readiness to play are genuine and how much of them are tied to what he and his agent are trying to do in terms of any leverage they might be able to assert on the team to actually get him traded to where he wants to go. But, but lots to learn, Tyler, lots to learn for so, sports. Yeah, I, I agree. And to close, I, we didn't get a chance to run it back to, we, we looked at some of the most disgruntled athletes. Yeah. You've got to give a shout out to James Harden, forcing his way out of the Houston Rockets organization, showing up Probably a little this large. Was, this was the called the the Krispy Kreme strategy, I believe. <laughs> a little large. Yeah. And forced his way to the Nets. We have to give a shout out to Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. who wanted out of the Minnesota Timberwolves. They forced him to play and he proceeded to go to practice. Mm. And no, he didn't didn't opt out of drills. He destroyed every single person on the court talking so nasty to them that they wanted him to leave practice. So we got to give a shout out to Eli Manning, who never played. He was a petulant child. He was disgruntled for an hour because the San Diego Chargers dropped and he gets to, to, to the Giants. Shout out to T.O. for fighting with his quarterback. Is that my quarterback? My quarterback. Donovan McNabb. Shout out to Alan Iverson, who clashed with the media and all his coaches to get run out of Philadelphia. Shout out to Carmelo. That Denver Nuggets team, they were so scary. But he claims he never wanted to leave. He just wanted to be part of a rebuilding team. So he got to go to your Knicks. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Shout out to Kobe, who wanted to get traded in 2007, told the Lakers to do the right thing. And then we got Powell, Gasol, mm-hmm. the rest is history. Shout out to Chad Johnson. I'm sorry. Ocho Cinco. Ocho Cinco. Who was disgruntled for a while because Marvin Lewis didn't stand up for all his antics, post-touchdown antics. And he ended up playing two more years. Shout out to Carson Palmer, who was done. With the Bengals. No relation. <laughs> Are you sure? Well, I mean, I, it's not like I'm disowning him, but as far as I know. Was done with the Bengals. And at one point, the owner said, Carson Palmer's retired. And that's when they drafted the Red Rocket. Yeah. Amy Dalton ended up getting traded to the Raiders. Shout out to redheaded quarterbacks. Thank you. There you go. And last and not least, to the guy who started an altercation on his own bench, to the guy who stood up the whole game during the Suns-Lakers game last night where Diane Cannon was so mad, told him to sit down, and Dwight Howard said, hey, I'm cheering for my team. To Dwight Howard, who wanted to get out of Orlando Magic because he needs to get out of a smart market. He needs to be able to express himself and be more involved in things like entertainment and other things that matter to him. Yeah. To the, all the disgruntled employees, may Ben Simmons, who's using his voice to get out, and may Daryl Morey, and the ownership and Rivers give him his release because I do believe the Sixers have a good team and they're better without him. There you go. 
Lots of lessons to learn, lots of topics to talk about. We're really just scratching the surface. Hopefully you're enjoying what you're hearing. Running It Back is the name of the podcast, available anywhere you get your pods. Visit us at runningitback.fm. We're on Twitter at runningitbackfm. Thanks as always for listening. Tarlin, excellent performance as always. We'll be back again soon. You did all right. This is Running It Back. <laughs>